Welcome to the Season 7 premiere of Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Hello everyone, and welcome to Season 7. Now this episode was supposed to have aired yesterday, but as I opened the door to my studio, I found about an inch of water on the floor, about three inches in the basement section of my workspace. So all day yesterday, I was running a shop vac, wringing out towels, mopping, you know, cleaning up. So thank you all so much for the patience in that little delay. That's certainly not how I wanted to kick off Season 7. But the good news here is that nothing appears to be broken or ruined. Just a little wet. So we're going to power through this thing and we're going to make this the best Season 7 that it could possibly be. Now I have an excellent show lined up for you guys this evening, but before we launch into it, I want to cover two quick things. First, I realize there may be a lot of new listeners two monsters among us, so I want to kind of give you a little background as to what this show is. Basically, MAU is a call-in show about people that have seen monsters. Now, I don't mean monsters in the traditional sense. Monsters could mean anything from Bigfoot and aliens to ghost, shadow man, uh, doppelgangers, anything strange and paranormal. All of the calls that come in are submitted by listeners. And I should probably touch on this as well. If you go back and read some of the latest reviews, there seems to be a lot of complaining about my quote-unquote debunking. Now let me set the record straight once and for all on this. I am not a debunker. I am a hopeful skeptic. I want to believe in every single one of these phenomena. But here's the reality of that situation. 99% of this stuff is not real. It's not. It just can't be. I'm looking for that 1% that is. So if there's a logical explanation out there, I'm at least going to bring it up. At the very least, I'm going to do my best to rationalize phenomenon that is otherwise irrational. Now here is the added bonus to uh, rational explanation. Let's say we have a Bigfoot case, and I run through the gamut. We've dismissed bears, we've dismissed hoaxes, we've dismissed all this stuff, and if I still can't answer it, then doesn't that make that story just a little more powerful? Doesn't that make that story just a little more believable. So if you have a problem with uh, scientific thinking, constructive thinking, then perhaps this is not the show for you. That said, I have an excellent show for you guys lined up this evening. And without further ado, let's do get into it. Our first call of the evening comes to us from Aubrey in the state of Delaware. Hi, 
Hi, Derek. My name is Aubrey. This story happens in Delaware, right on the Delaware River, in September of 2012. It has to do with my grandmother and my sister. So at the time, um, my grandmother was in the end days of her life. She had battled breast cancer for six years, and finally it it became terminal and caught up with her, and the doctor uh, gave her till Christmas to survive. So, um, you know, without throwing her into a hospice care, we decided to take her into the home and do the hospice care there so we could be with her and she could be beside us for the last days. We did that. We got her set up for hospice in the house, and we were just waiting. Uh, This was um, August 28th. That's when we got the news. So we thought we had a few more months still. Um, And at the time, my sister, who, who was located in Pennsylvania, was pregnant with twins, and she was actually on bed rest. She was high risk. So she still had another three weeks to go before she could safely deliver. And my grandmother knew this. Um, she started to become lucid only in her last few days of hospice, you know, with the medications given to her, and we knew she was slipping away faster. Her, her, lucidity, her lucidity was bad, um, saying things that didn't make sense, just it wasn't her and I know that's typical for people who are passing away um you know synapses fire and you see and say things and hear things that you you that aren't there and you shouldn't so maybe paranormal or not so it was September 11th and it was my father myself my aunt and her husband all in the house doing the same thing as usual taking our turns sitting with her and the rest of the family's downstairs eating dinner and I was with my grandmother, and I heard a baby crying, not just like a normal baby, but like a newborn screech, like screaming. I'm like, whoa. And it was loud enough where it didn't sound like it was outside, but it didn't sound like it was inside. It was really creepy. So I go downstairs. I'm like, can you guys hear that? And they're like, what? I'm like, a baby crying. So everybody stops for a minute, and they're like, no, no, we don't hear that. I'm like, please just come upstairs. (laughs) Believe me, I, I hear this. So my dad follows upstairs, and we stop for a few moments, and it picks up, and then hear the baby crying. He's like, okay. <laughs> you know, my dad doesn't believe in anything weird. He's like, there's an explanation to this. So my dad goes, well, it's got to be the neighbors or something. So as we're talking, my aunt and my grandfather follow up behind us to see what's going on, and we're in my grandmother's room. And, and they're like, do you not hear that baby crying? And they're like, yeah, oh, my God. And it's like a newborn screech. So my father went upstairs, we went downstairs, we looked all over for this crying baby sound. And no matter where we went, it was like, it it was in a different direction each time. We couldn't specifically locate it. So after about like five minutes, but what seemed forever, it just stopped. So, you know, we just chalk it up to maybe it could be the neighbors or something, even though we knew that all of the neighbors were older and there were no babies around and we looked outside for visitors and cars and everything was the norm same as it usually is so we just kind of like let it go (laughs) and went back to doing our thing so we were all upstairs and just in my grandmother's room because you know it's what we were doing looking around out of nowhere she goes ow and she hasn't been really talking very normally or 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 right I guess you could say and so we all stopped and we come to her side and she's Al is her husband and he goes what Marge her name is Margaret 
Um, he goes, what, Marge, what? And she goes, call Abby. Please call Abby. Are the babies okay? My sister was pregnant with twins at the time, and her name was Abby. And so he's like, no, Marge, there's no babies. Abby, Abby's okay. She's all right. She's not in labor. And, you know, she wasn't due for another three weeks. But, you know, just to humor her and ourselves, we, we called her, and it was about 8, eight o'clock at night. And she's like, no, I'm doing fine. No, no contractions, not in labor. And they're like, okay, well, we thought so. We just wanted to call and check. And so it ended the phone call, but it didn't stop there with my, my grandmother. We told her, oh, no, we called, and Abby's fine. The babies are fine. And she's like, no, no. And she said, babies are here. And I'm like, no, the babies are not here. And she cradles up her arm, like as if you're holding the baby in, in your arm, like, you know, cradling a baby. And she goes, look here, and starts bouncing her left arm up and down. And she's like, here, here's happy baby. Do you not see happy baby? It's bear baby. And we're like, bear baby? What are you talking about? And she's like, look, the baby. There's, where's the other baby? And we're like, what do you mean? There are no babies, my mom. She's, they're okay. You're okay. Abby's okay. And she's like, something's wrong. She's like, this is such a smiley, happy baby, but I don't see the other baby. And it freaked us out, <laughs> of course, because everything up until that point she was saying was really odd and, you know, didn't make sense. And this is the first time she started kind of speaking a little clearly, more clearly than normal. And so she's like, look, happy baby. And she started, you know, making sounds like you'd sing to a baby, like do, 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 do. And after a few moments, it just went away. And she just stopped doing it and fell asleep. And we're like, wow, that was really strange. Maybe she was just, you know, thinking of the babies and worried for them. So we just chalked it up to as that. And she's obviously passing soon. We were just kind of freaked out. But, you know, hey, we're sure this is natural because she's in the end part of her life. And, you know, that happens. <laughs> so it was about 3.30 in the morning. My dad gets a call, and I knew this because I'm a really light sleeper, and our room was next to his. My room was next to his at the time, and um, all you hear is, "Oh my God, okay, all right, I'm coming," and it was really loud. So I'm like, "Oh my God!" So I get up and I go, and I'm like, "What's wrong, Dad? What's wrong?" And they go, "Abby's in labor, and they can't stop it. She's going to the hospital now." So he started his three-hour trek from where Delaware was to Abby's home in Pennsylvania was. So he, he, he just took all his stuff and took off, and we all stayed with my grandmother, and he went down. So she went into labor that very night. One baby came out. He was perfectly healthy, good weight. Second baby was not so good. He was very sick. His lungs weren't fully formed, so he had to stay in the NICU uh, neonatal unit for about four weeks until they were able to take him home. So this is what kind of made it weird because my my grandmother thought she was in labor and she wasn't until three o'clock that morning. And there was no baby there. The baby was very sick. So the baby, she said she couldn't see the other baby. I, I'm guessing the baby got very sick and that's, you know, that's why she said that something was wrong. And so the first baby, she, she mentioned it being her bear baby and a very happy and smiley baby. And at the time that no one knew that they already picked out names for the children or the two boys, and they never told anyone. And at this time, we never told them about what was happening. It was just so sudden. So she named them Ammon and Baron. 
And Baron is the one that came out all happy and smiley like a ray of sunshine. And we call him Bears. That's his little nickname. And it just happened, and we didn't do it. She didn't do it based upon what my grandmother said. She had no idea. And that was that. And then following the next day, September 12th, not even 15 hours later, my grandmother had passed away in her sleep. So it was just an odd premonition. I don't know if she was laying there and somehow saw them while they were in heaven still or on the other side, and she knew something was going to happen. I don't know if she was close to that border. I thought it was just the weirdest thing in the world. I don't know if anyone else has had this happen to them or seen this before, but it was premonition beyond anything I've ever seen. Yeah, that's my story. So thank you very much, and you're amazing, and take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Aubrey. Now, to see a family member behave in that way would be frightening enough without the deathbed premonition. I can only imagine the emotional toll it would take on someone to see something like that. Now, you hear this kind of thing all the time. Sometimes I wonder if witnesses are simply connecting vague dots, their attempt to get some closure. Then I hear a story like Aubrey's. Suddenly those vague dots turn into something much more believable. Now, I'm not sure that anyone out there even has an explanation for what happened, but I can tell you this. Whatever it was, it makes for a great story. Thank you again, Aubrey, for taking the time to share your tale. Next up, we take to the skies. The skies over my home state of Ohio. The following call was submitted anonymously. Hi, Derek. I am a big fan. I have a story I wanted to share uh, with you guys about my dad, something that he saw, which started my initial love for this type of of podcast. So I'll leave my name out of it for now, but we're in Ohio, Cincinnati, and he was more east of Cincinnati, um, probably more where I I guess you were located. Um, I can't quite remember the place, but they had some farmland. This was back in the 60s. My dad probably between six and eight years old. Him and his parents and uh, his younger brother, two younger brothers, I believe. Actually, I think they might have been three. I can't remember if my uncle was born then. But they were all in the car driving home. And when they got there, they noticed something and realized uh, that they were looking at basically a UFO. It's shape and just, I don't know how far, he said maybe a hundred yards from the the front yard or the front uh, porch. He says it's kind of hazy on what he remembers, but he does remember it being sausage shaped and that it had those undulating lights kind of just going in circles and that his dad noticed it first and his mom and they got out of the car and bits of what he does remember is that at some point they were all standing in a row just staring at it. What he only recently brought up to me in his many tellings of this story, I guess based on a conversation he had with his brother, my uncle, one thing that they recently remembered was how odd it was that they were standing in a row based on height from being my grandfather and my grandmother and my dad, so on. Uh, You know, that I had never heard before, so that was new to me which made it more interesting. My dad's a straight-edge guy, military man. You know, he might make a big fish story and exaggerate, but he's pretty straightforward. Um, And the scarier part of the story, the one that I grew up remembering and the one that I'll never forget and have told my children and will tell my grandchildren is what they saw. So later on that evening, they were inside and my uncle and my dad shared a bedroom. They were young and little. And my uncle shot out of bed and went to the back window 
uh, which he had to kind of stand up on his toes to look out of because he swore he saw something. And my dad joined him. And when my dad got to the window, all he saw was a little creature, child size, basically hopping the fence and running away. You know, my uncle's the one that saw it looking into the window which had uh, the, not the window, but the, the creature, the alien, if you will, had that gray skin, large, large forehead, large eyes, all black. And now obviously it was dark. I don't have much more details than that. They were young, but we all have those vital or real vivid memories from when we were little. And I imagine this was my uncle's and I know for sure it was my dad. It's one that he swears by. He's a, a big avid fan of all things UFO because of that experience. Uh, but more importantly is my grandma remembering it. Um, and my, you know, I call her granny and her real hesitation to ever retell the story. She kind of just nods in agreement and, you know, changes the subject, um, which is definitely not like her. But I thought it'd be interesting, worth telling. Again, big fan. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you, caller. Now, coincidentally, my dad also saw something uh, unexplained around the same time and place. The story he tells goes as follows. Apparently, he and his brothers, and I believe my grandmother, saw something crash beyond the hillside above their house. They never saw it make impact with the earth, but they claimed it glowed a bright orange color, lighting up the entire hillside. And my dad, grandmother, and several of my aunts and uncles all saw this thing take place. My grandma was so shaken up by it that she refused to let anyone go outside for hours after the event. Now that's where the similarities stop, because our caller's father actually laid eyes on some sort of creature. Now I don't know what year her father saw the creature, but it could have been less than a decade away from a very famous creature sighting from that general area. Now I've touched on it before, but it's certainly something worth revisiting. And of course I'm talking about the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. This event occurred in 1955 at the Sutton Family Farmhouse in Christian County, Kentucky over the span of one evening and into the following morning where two families consisting of 11 people, seven being adults, saw something strange in the sky but thought nothing of it until a creature peeked in through the window of the house. Panicked by what they saw, a three-feet or one-meter-tall creature with pointy ears, metallic skin, and clawed hands, the men grabbed their firearms and investigated. Taking their shot at rather close range, the bullets seemed to be deflected by some unknown shield, and one creature afterwards just floated to the ground. Scared, they barred themselves into the house just to hear the creatures skittering across the roof, peering in through the windows, and causing chaos. Making a dash to their cars, they informed the police, who then investigated the house, finding scratch marks and hearing the same sounds the family had. Finding nothing else, the police departed. UFOologists regard this incident as one of the most documented and significant UFO cases in history. That clip comes courtesy of Top 10 Archive on YouTube. Now you can check out each video from every clip by visiting monstersamonguspodcast.com and clicking on the show notes tab. There you'll find a shortcut to each and every video used in every episode of every season. Thank you so much, caller, for taking the time to share your story. I certainly wish we got a photo or at least a drawing of the creature that your father saw. Our next call of the evening takes us to the state of Oklahoma. 
The following is McTee's story. Hello, Derek and Monsters Among Us crowd. My name's McTee from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I have a story that I believe you guys will enjoy. It takes place back in 2011. I worked at a big box store at the period. Night stocking supervisor. Drove the forklifts, stocking stuff inside, outside. One evening, it was just myself and one other employee. I was out in the lawn and gardens section outside, putting stuff in the upper racks, driving one of those stand-up forklifts. And the other individual was inside the building at the other end in the lumber section. Well, I had just paused, turned off the machine, and I was still standing in it as I turned around, looking behind me down the aisle, and full-on shadow person walks from right to left towards the entrance going into the building. As it walked, it was darker than dark, but yet I could still see the shelving behind it. I could see its arms and legs and its head as it turned and looked at me and continued to walk towards the doors. My eyes bulged out of my head, obviously. The doors opened up for this entity and it went into the building. I jumped off of the machine and ran to the doors that were beside me. I lost the entity once it entered the building, but I continued to walk through the building to try to find this thing. What I found interesting was, as it would have approached the front end of the store, there were the cash registers and things like that were, the alarm system went off at the entrance of the building as if somebody walked out with a security monitored product. And at that point, I started to really freak out because I wasn't sure if I actually saw a shadow person or a real person. So I ran towards the front of the store thinking that maybe there was a person in the building. As I got to the front, the other alarm system started to go off midpoint in the store, but I could see at this point there was nobody there. Anyways, that's the story of that particular evening at that particular location. I ran off towards the other employee to find out where their location was, and they were on a forklift the other end of the store with headphones on doing their own thing. And I stopped them and asked them if they saw anybody, and they said no. And they got off the machine and walked with me through the store, and there was nobody there. Anyways, that's that's it. It was empty. We were locked in. There wasn't any way anybody could get in or get out without me letting them in or out. So, pretty interesting. I've seen these things before, but that particular one creating alarm systems going off was pretty interesting. But I do know that there has been deaths in and around that location. There's a train tracks that run directly behind the facility 
through that part of town. And I do know of one specific death in particular that was related to my ex-wife's family. So, you know, I don't know. It's uh, definitely interesting. Anyways, that's that story. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Thank you, McT. You know, it's kind of weird. You don't expect a location like a Home Depot to be haunted. Or to be honest, you don't expect any kind of activity there at all. Now, it kind of reminds me of something I remember hearing a few years back. The gentleman, whom I can't remember, said the following that really made me think. He said that ghosts are everywhere. Literally everywhere. He went on to say that you may have even had an encounter yourself and didn't realize it, shopping the aisles of your local Walmart. Now, I don't specifically believe that ghosts are roaming the halls of Walmart, but I do think what he said was interesting. How many times have we laid eyes on something paranormal and thought it was simply normal? An idea like that can quickly change the way we look at ghosts or hauntings in general. Thanks again, McTee. I really enjoyed the questions this call made me think of. Our next submission for the evening comes to us from Arlo in the state of Washington and covers one of my favorite cryptozoology subjects. Hi, Derek. My name is Arlo, and I'm nine years old, and I live in Washington. I love the podcast. It is truly amazing. Anyway, let me share my story. My mom was taking me home from Christmas shopping, and we were driving down a back road, and right out of the corner of my eye, I saw a figure standing on all four legs. It was shocking. I did not know if it was a man looking for something, or if it was a creature of the night. Well, that's my story. Thank you, Arlo. Well, thank you, Arlo. I should point out that Arlo titled his submission, Werewolf, so I think it's safe to say that that's what he thinks he saw. Now, as I said in the intro to the submission, the dogman or werewolf phenomenon is one of my favorite cryptozoology subjects. The Beast of Bray Road is certainly something that tugs at my heartstrings. So thank you again, Arlo, for taking the time to share your submission. Our next call of the evening comes to us from a listener in Georgia. The following is Gary's call. Good afternoon, Derek. My name is Gary, and I'm calling from Georgia. Um, first, I want to preface the call by saying I've been catching up on some of your episodes, and um, one of the things I have learned through the episodes is uh, you and I have a similar situation where we both had brothers who were younger enough to take their own lives, uh, so I can understand that. But one of the things that has helped me is I am a licensed mental health professional in the state of Georgia, so i familiar with dealing with that a little bit better, and I've been able to help my family through that. Um, one of the things I would like to do is talk to you more about the mental health part of things, since you do reach an audience that may have some troubles. Um, so it's definitely something I would like to talk to you about later. But for right now, I want to share my encounter about a big black cat I saw when I used to live in Ohio when I was younger. Um, I lived in the Akron, Kent, Ravana area. Um, there was a bridge that went over the Cuyahoga River 
um, which often flooded when I was younger. Now, this was probably about when I was nine to 10 years old when we lived in this area. So my family and I were on our way home. I was driving in the car and uh, there was a bridge that we would go over uh, that crossed over the Cuyahoga River. And over, well, under the bridge, um, there could be seen something floating down, you know, the river. Um, the river was flooded at this time, which was not uncommon. Uh, where we live, when it flooded, would also come into our backyard and we live very close to the river. Um, but there was a car that was stopped on a bridge before us, and I remember my father was a little annoyed by it and blew his horn, and the car just sped off. And when he got onto the bridge, he stopped and was, you know, kind of looking over the bridge and was like, what's that? So I remember sticking my head out the window, looking out to see what he was looking at. Um, and what I saw was uh, what looked to be like a panther uh, on a boat. Seems kind of odd, but it's not really when you think about it because that um, river often flooded. And there was a person who had a fishing boat that was up on the shore off, like before it would flood. So I remember one time once before he had lost his boat because it had flooded and his boat had floated down the river. Um, well, what it seemed like this time that there was a cat on the boat and it was fairly large. Uh, I remember the tail swinging around in the air. It went from, there was like the bench seats on the boat. The body of the cat went from one bench seat to the other. So this was not like a normal house cat size. Um, and I remember seeing its tails, you know, kind of, you know, moving like a cat tail. Um, and my father commented and said that it must be a black lab. And I remember sitting there thinking then, I was like, no, I don't think that that's a old dog. Um, just the way that the cat the tail moved more cat-like but it seemed like it was a little panicked and confused uh, and it just continued to float down the river we watched it float down the river on this boat uh, until it got underneath the bridge and then my father continued driving on to our to our home uh, that's my encounter of seeing a big black cat in uh northeast ohio when i was younger thank you for all you do on the show and you have a great day Thank you, Gary. Now, I'd love to discuss with you further in regards to the grief counseling you'd mentioned at the front end of your call. Let me know the best way to set something up, and we'll make it happen. Now, as for your sighting, it seems your encounter took place about 75 miles from mine. And for those that aren't familiar, when I was around 10 years old, my brother, friend, and I witnessed something strange. A four to five foot long, not including the tail, black panther. I'll go into further detail on that in the upcoming Patreon episode, an episode I hope to record early next week. Now, I wonder how the animal found itself on the boat, but the description that Gary gave certainly coincides with how any cat would act in a situation like that. I have three cats, and I constantly witness them getting themselves into situations they don't know how to handle, like getting onto a boat that is launched down the river. So thank you again, Gary, for taking the time to share your story. It's certainly strange that all these big cat sightings are in such close proximity. Now I have several more stories to share with you, but before we do that, I have some announcements. As you probably have seen on social media, the new studio space is nearly finished. I've been working my butt off for the past three to four weeks to try to get this done in time for season seven, and somehow I made it. 
I'm exhausted, but I made it. The new space is beyond inspiring. I have a little library section where I can actually do some real research and leave my work out uninterrupted. And the new studio space is better equipped for drowning out sounds and is much larger and gives me room to actually move around. So I say all that to say this. I want to thank each and every person that donated to help make this new studio and library space a reality. I honestly could not have done it without you guys, and for that I am eternally grateful. Now, for those that donated $40 or more, you get your own brick in the studio that I will carve whatever you'd like into it. Your name, a message, a simple drawing even. So all those people that donated should have received an email with instructions to submit your artwork. If you did not receive that email, please reach out to me and let me know. And for those that have replied, I've looked at every single one of them. I just haven't had time to reply. And I most likely will reply with a photo of the finished work once I get it done. So I'm going to go through the list once I get everybody back. But just know I am eternally grateful and I will read everyone's name on the air next week. And for all those new listeners, if you have a story you would like to share, call the hotline at one 888 night That's one 888-608-6444. Or you can visit the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com. Or you can email me directly at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, I have a few new additions to add to the store, something I hope to get up this weekend. Due to a mix-up with my printer, we actually printed the wrong shirts. But that's not a bad thing. We get a brand new design out of the deal. The Mirrored Men shirts will be back in a couple of weeks, but for now I have a new Monsters Among Us logo shirt going up in the shop later today. And in addition, I have some small magnets that I'm also adding in there. So check back by the end of the weekend, and all that stuff should be available. And the last thing I need to mention is Patreon. For all you Patreon supporters, you know that I've been seriously slacking on content for the past couple months, and that is about to change. I had a breakthrough the other day that gave me endless content, so now I have a goal in mind, and that's something I'm going to put forward. But that does come with a bit of a sacrifice. After much deliberation, I've decided that the Patreon videos will no longer be Patreon only. I'm going to release each new video to Patreon subscribers for about a week, and then I'm going to open it wide to everyone else on YouTube. And I'm doing this for one reason and one reason only. Videos like that help the show grow, so it does me no good whatsoever to hide them and only show them to maybe 100 subscribers. So as much as I'd like to reward each Patreon subscriber, I think the show would be better served to let hundreds, if not thousands, view these videos instead. So I'll give you the sneak peek, and after that, it will be released wide. But I will go into further detail on all of that through Patreon. And that should do it for the announcement, so what do you say we get back to the stories? Our next call of the evening comes to us from Tyler, in my now current state of California. Hey Derek, my name's Tyler. I'm calling from Los Angeles, but I grew up in a small rural town in southwest Colorado on a farm. So uh, I'm pretty familiar with the wilderness. Uh, I would go hiking almost weekly growing up. 
Uh, this happened whenever I was coming back home to visit my mother, who was working in Pagosa at the time. Uh, Pagosa is a, a town in Colorado, around southwest Colorado. Um, so it was really late at night, and uh, I was with my my girlfriend at the time. She was sleeping in the, um, the seat next to mine, the passenger seat. And uh, as we were going up through the mountains, it was pitch black, really dark, and... Uh, I saw a large green ball of fire that was slowly crossing over the treetops, uh, and it was so slow moving and that uh, I was able to wake my girlfriend up from her sleep and point it out as it crossed. Uh, you know, I had slowed the car down, but uh, it was just, it, it was big. It was, I would say... Uh, from side to side around like 20 feet and uh, I could see it was close enough that I could see the uh, the texture of the flames coming off it uh, I could see that it looked like rock texture uh, as the the rock like a, a craggy texture to the to the, the ball of rock but uh, you know it had big green flames trailing off of it and uh, like I said, it was very slow moving. It just floated across and out of sight. Um, didn't know what to make of it. I got it. I went and uh, asked my mom if when, once we got there. I mean, I must have got there around uh, one in the morning or something. And I asked her if there were any meteor showers or anything. She she said there was nothing. Um, growing up, I was a big fan of uh, uh, ghosts and. Uh, you know, that's whenever the Shadowlands is pretty big and everything. Um, but I had never put any credence into aliens or UFOs or anything like that uh, until this point. Uh, after that, I did some research, and um, the only thing I was able to find was the uh, the there was a shower of um, green uh, like meteors that happened around uh, New Mexico. Um, I'm not sure when it happened. I think it was like 80s or 90s. But uh, I guess there was a lot of them that happened at the time, and um, I, a lot of people had seen it. It's a, it was a big it was a big deal whenever it happened. Uh, very a lot a lot of witnesses, but um, I uh, had never seen anything like this in my life. Uh, and once I actually read uh, Whitley Strieber's book, I he had a similar thing happen to him where he saw a. A green ball of fire but it was uh one of his false memories which i mean i'm terrified of that uh of uh any false memories or anything happening to me but that was the only paranormal encounter i've ever had um i'd be interested to see if anybody else has had any experiences with uh or uh seen anything like that yeah, definitely the strangest thing that's ever happened to me um as far as the area goes pagosa i mean there's a lot of indian reservations around but uh, nothing paranormal that I know of uh, other than uh, other than that. Uh, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, Tyler. Now, to be honest, it sounds like what you saw was perhaps a meteor. So I did a little digging to see if meteors could be green in hue. And I found the following from the American Meteor Society. Vivid colors are more often reported by fireball observers because the brightness is great enough to fall well within the range of human color vision. These must be treated with some caution, however, 
because of well-known effects associated with the persistence of vision. Reported colors range across the spectrum, from red to bright blue and rarely violet. The dominant composition of a meteoroid can play an important part in the observed color of a fireball, with certain elements displaying signature colors when vaporized. For example, sodium produces a bright yellow color, nickel shows green, and magnesium as a blue-white. So as you hear there, a nickel-based meteor could produce a green glow. Now, of course, I wasn't there, so I can't say definitively if that's what it was Tyler saw that evening, but it certainly could fit the bill. Thank you again, Tyler, for sharing your story. Our next submission of the evening takes us to the state of Oregon. The following is Grace's submission. Hi, uh, this is Grace from Oregon. I called in previously and told a story about seeing a ghost. Um, And I actually have another story of seeing a ghost. Uh, I've only seen physically two in my life, um, so this is the second one. Um, This one happened in Portland, Oregon. Um, Oh, about four years ago now, I was working at a veterinary hospital, and one of my coworkers um, unexpectedly passed uh, while at her home. But she had been working at this hospital for about 15 years and ran everything, was a very integral part of it. Um, It was basically her home. Um, So after she had passed, I was standing in the main room where we did the treatments on the animals. And there was a little back room we had where um, dogs and cats would stay if they were boarding with us. And we had a door that separated the two rooms, kind of like a a classroom door where there's a little skinny uh, window on the top half only of the door. So that's how this door was. So there's a little bit of a sight through. And there was a staff member that we had who typically stayed back there to do the laundry and check on the dogs that were there and entertain them a little bit. so I was talking to another coworker, and I was facing this door from the main room, and I was discussing with her um, one of the treatments that we were going to be doing and kind of putting out a game plan of how we were going to be um, going about this, and I said that we were going to need help and that I was going to go and get our coworker from the back room. At that time, I was looking at the door, and I saw her pass by the window, Um, it's only the, you know, top half of the body that I'm able to see in this little skinny window and, um, the really only features I was able to make out was the dark hair that looked like it was down, um, and this coworker who had passed frequently would wear her dark hair down. And the coworker who was taking care of the dogs also had long dark hair that she frequently wore down. At the time when I saw this person walk by the window, um, the person that I was in the room with noted that our our uh, person who was in charge of the animals was actually outside walking one of the dogs, and I told her that was strange because I had just her through the, the window into the back room and she gave me a quizzical look 
And I went back into the back room, and sure enough, no one was back there. Um, and as I come out of that room, our current coworker, who had not passed, walked back in the building. So that confirmed that I had seen something that was not one of our coworkers. Um, it was very strange. I didn't see her again, but she did um, unscrew some light bulbs from back in that same room. And they were the long fluorescent type that live within a secondary plastic housing um, that you have to open and then unscrew. And they're pretty problematic to even do on purpose when you're changing them. And at one point, no one was in the back room. The door was closed. And one of them... Um, shattered onto the floor. So um, I, I'm not sure if she's still in that building. I'm not sure if that is what I saw, uh, but it's the only explanation that I can come up with is that she's at her home away from home. Um, anyway, that's my only other story of seeing a ghost. I have some other paranormal um, encounter things that I'll call in another time, but Hopefully that is something that you can use. Thanks for um, playing my other story. That was cool to hear and uh, get your feedback on. Have a good night. Thank you, Grace. Now, listening to Grace's call, a question popped into my head. Now, I assume hundreds, if not thousands of animals die in vet offices across the country each day. So, like hospitals, our vet offices claim to be infested by ghosts as well. But unlike human hospitals, are they infested with the ghosts of animals? Are there any listeners out there that work in veterinary offices that may have experienced animal ghosts? Let's hear from you guys. Is this a true phenomenon or is this something that I cooked up in my head? Either way, thank you again, Grace, for taking the time to share. I like to believe your coworker enjoyed working there so much that she clocked in from beyond the veil. And that brings us to our final call of the evening. The following is Tony's call from the state of Florida. Hey, I, uh, I appreciate your time. This is Tony from Tampa, Florida, originally from Seattle. I've been wanting to call for some time now about something that happened when I was 16 and uh, still with my older brother camping up in the San Lasac. Roslyn area, Cleelum area up in Washington. I forget exactly where, but it was the campgrounds out in the sticks in the woods below the glaciers. You could see from our campground. I was 16, and there's a bunch of us annual camping trip. It was the 80s, 1982. Three days of volleyball, beer, and just having a good party 80s time. Um, we went hiking, decided to go hiking on the hills up on the glaciers and uh, it was morning and you know previously we had seen some bear in particular mother bear and a cub up on the glacier the day before and we got up there it took hours to get up to the top and we all were walking in a single file line and I heard this noise it was like a a grunting noise pardon my impression it went like with a steady cadence guys in front of me looked around at me and shrugged their shoulders like, what's that? I just raised my eyebrows. I don't know. Went on for like 20 minutes. I assumed it was a bear since we'd seen bear in the area. And, 
I haven't really forgotten it this whole time. It was uh, it was odd. Um, I my interest in Bigfoot or things that go bump in the night, cryptids has grown over the decades, and I've looked up so many bear sounds, YouTube, uh, and anywhere you can hear a sound of a bear, and I cannot find the same sound. And honestly, it sounded like a big grunting ape or a primate. Uh, and the thing that struck me about it was the fact that it it wasn't loud, but the sound was big. It was all-encompassing. I didn't know where it was coming from. You could look all around and feel like that grunting was everywhere. Like I said, it wasn't loud, but it was a big sound. If that makes any sense, it's just really, really strange. And the weird thing about it is, like I said, it went on maybe for like 20 minutes, but all of us just seemed to forget about it, like it never really happened. Um, I hadn't really thought about it until a few years ago when I started listening to podcasts and strange encounters out in the woods. Uh, maybe nothing, but I'm sure it wasn't a bear because I, I can't find anything online that a bear would make as far as a noise like that. Anyway, I uh, love your podcast. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed listening to this odd little tale. Uh, I'll call back with a couple other things. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tony. Now, I know Tony said he didn't believe the sounds he heard that day came from a bear, but I thought it was important to share some of the weird sounds that bears can make. The following clip was provided by Alex Triceratops123 on YouTube. Of course, those sounds were of a black bear, which is indigenous to the state of Washington. Now, to question things further, here's another strange sound captured, quote-unquote, in the western states. It doesn't exactly say where, but the following clip comes courtesy of Over the Hill Outdoors on YouTube. I don't know if you can hear this, but it's a sound that could be mistaken for something else. Right now, it's growling, kind of low, guttural, moaning sound. Minutes ago, it was kind of a high volume yell, scream kind of a thing. What it is, it's a big black Angus bull. He's out here just letting his presence be known. Some cows and calves along with him. But on a dark night, out in the middle of nowhere, you heard that the first time, you might wonder. I highly suggest you go out and check both videos out. Again, links can be found in the show notes for tonight's episode. So the point I'm trying to make here is not that Tony is lying or even mistaken, but instead I'm trying to point out that in an unfamiliar woods, sounds take on a life of their own and can lead people to think all sorts of strange things. Now, of course, I hope that what Tony heard was actually a Sasquatch. What fun would it be otherwise? Thank you again, Tony, for taking the time to share. Maybe you can chime in on 
either the bear sound or the bull sound that we played here on the show. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd, Warren Pon Abbott, and Tony Bell. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. You just stumbled on the secret part of Monsters Among Us podcast. And tonight, I have two written submissions for you. Both submitted anonymously, and both of the squatchy variety. Our first story goes as follows. A few weeks ago, I was vacationing in southern Washington, and me and my dad and sister were walking through the forest behind her college. There's an old watchtower, and we climbed up the three stories. It was early morning, probably 8 a.m. We were looking around and all of a sudden we heard really weird noises. We stayed up in the tower and looked around to see if we could find what was making the sounds. My dad didn't think it would be safe for us to go down. So we stayed up there for a few hours until I saw something really big and hairy run through the trees, followed by the same strange noises we heard in the first place. Finally, my dad decided it was safe for us to leave. And when we got down to the ground... We ran back to the college, never looking back. And for the second anonymously submitted story. So about three weeks ago, I went bull hunting up on Diamond Mountain. Me and my dad were walking up a straightaway when we saw a monster seven point run over the top. So we took off and reached the top right before the sun peaked, so at about seven-ish. We got to the top, and that's when we saw a big thing walking out of the trees into a clearing about one or two miles from the top but from our positions, we could see it perfectly. It looked like a man covered in hair. But when we looked through the binoculars, we realized how big this creature was. It turned toward us and looked like it was staring right at us. Then it turned and ran. We tried to follow it the best we could, but it was unnaturally fast. After chasing its trail for about an hour, it seemed as though it had fallen off the face of the earth. We have no clue what it was, but the footprints were about 18 inches in length and the stride was about seven feet. There's nothing else it could be other than the elusive Bigfoot. Well, thank you to both submitters. As you know, I am a huge Bigfoot fan. There are several diamond mountains across the country, so I'm not specifically sure where the second story came from, but I can say that the first, coming from the state of Washington, certainly comes from one of the biggest Bigfoot hotspots on the planet. Thank you again to both of those submitters, and thank you 
for sticking around to the end of Monsters Among Us. Good night. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To connect with us. To see that no detail is too small. To be our special guest. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle, but it becomes an exceptional experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.